All right, good morning, Orlando Baptist Church family. Thank you so much for gathering for our Renovation Sundays here in our live stream rooms. Thank you for those of you who are joining us online as well. I am so grateful that we can come together as a church. I also want to thank you for uh, your patience with us this morning as we, um, as we work through some technical difficulties a little bit. Uh, I know we got started a little bit late, and I should shorten my sermon this morning, but I'm not going to, so sorry about that. We're just going to have to get out a few minutes late. I, was, I don't know if you're laughing or not. So, hey, I did get to come over to the OBC Kids Auditorium during worship this morning uh, and got to sing and hear you guys sing. And man, it was encouraging to me. So here's, here's my challenge. The OBC Kids Auditorium, they were singing good and loud. I don't know about you guys in the live room or those of you in the uh, library or those of you up in the front lobby but I was encouraged and blessed to sing and worship uh, with those gathered in the OBC Kids Auditorium this morning. Thankful for Arthur and the worship team for leading us. This morning, we sang a song, All Creatures of Our God and King, which comes really out of Psalm 148, which is the psalm we're going to focus on this morning. But let me update you on a couple of things before we get into the message. First, the renovations here in the auditorium are moving along really well. All of the framing uh, for the exterior walls was finished this week. We've got some electrical that's going in. They should finish that up on Monday, and then they'll start hanging drywall Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. Uh, that, that'll be the longest part of the project. When that's finished, we'll paint, then we'll do carpet and chairs, um, and we'll be ready to get back into the auditorium. So uh, be praying for all of the parts that go with that, that, that all of those things would continue to move smoothly. Thank you so much. Uh, for those of you who have given to be a part of this project, for those of you who have served, whether it was tearing out pews or helping tear out the stage, uh, this last Monday we had a little team come together to, to kind of redo the stage. We're still working on that, and if you want to be a part of helping with that, let us know, and we'll give you a sledgehammer, and we'll get after it. Um, but hey, I want to celebrate something with you this morning, okay? Um, we set a goal of $250,000 to raise for our next campaign in church. You, uh, you pledged over $284,000, which is incredible. We surpassed the goal. Uh, but as of this week, over $275,000 of that, those pledges have already come in. And so we're able to pay everything in cash. There's no debt. And church, you, you stepped up uh, to take care of this project. And I am so grateful. We just praise the Lord for his provision through you. So thank you so much. Well, this Sunday, we will conclude our series through the book of Psalms, our Summer in the Psalms series. Summer is almost over. This next week, teachers are going back to school to prepare for students who will show up next week. Many of you have brought in school supplies to help with our back-to-school drive to help families in need. We could still take some supplies, so uh, we just ask you to, to contribute to that so we can share the love of Jesus through school supplies with some families. So thank you for that. Um, I also want to let you know that next week we will begin a new teaching series called We the Church. 
We're going to look at the importance of the church body corporately, that, that God has called us to accomplish more together than we ever could on our own. And so we're going to look at the importance of gathering. We're going to look at the importance of serving together. We're going to look at the importance of unity. We're going to look at the importance of growing together and being together uh, in, in community to, to encourage each other and to uh, challenge each other. So we're going to have some special times during this series. Um, let's see, August 22nd and 29th, we're going to have an opportunity for you to sign up and get plugged into some of our ministries that happen here on campus. Some of our, our serving teams from, from OBC Kids and Awana to our greeters, uh, to our outreach ministry. And so we'll give you some more information about that and give you an opportunity to sign up to serve in some of those ministries. And then as we get into September, September 5th, in September 12th, we're going to focus on all of our groups, whether it's our Bible study hour groups or our community groups or some of our Wednesday night groups. Uh, we want you to be able to get plugged in and uh, connect with people and, and grow together. It's an important part of what we do as a church family. So uh, that's September 5th and 12th. And, and here's the last thing before we get into the message. Church, I really want to ask you to be praying specifically with me for September 12th, Okay. September 12th is our goal Sunday to be back in the auditorium. So that's about six weeks from today. Uh, September 12th, please, please, please be praying every day. September 12th, put a reminder on your phone, right, at, at 9-12 every day to pray uh, that everything would happen just right so we could be in that auditorium on September 12th. And uh, I'm, I'm really praying for that, and, and I believe that will be an incredible day as we dedicate you know, the new, the new building will have a time of baptism. We've got some folks who want to be baptized. We will celebrate communion together uh, and, and celebrate together what it means to be the church, the, the gathered assembly of God's people. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So please be praying with me for September 12th, okay? Well, I, I told you we're going to be in Psalm 148 this morning. Psalm 148 is a psalm of praise. The last five Psalms in the book of Psalm, Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150 are all incredible psalms of praise. Every one of them starts with the word hallelujah and ends with the word hallelujah, which literally means praise the Lord. And so I want us to read together out of Psalm 148. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up wherever you're at, whatever room you're at. If you're watching at home, I'm going to ask you to stand up at home. We're going to read this chapter together. I'm going to read the first verse, then I want you to read the second verse, and we'll go, uh, we'll, we'll alternate like that. I'll read the odd numbers, you'll read the even numbers, uh, and it's going to start with Psalm 148 verse 1 and go down to verse um, 14. So if you're ready, I'm going to start. So I'll read the first verse, you read the second verse. Here we go, Psalm 148. Hallelujah, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Now you read. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly armies. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Now you read, praise him, highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. Now you read, he set them in position forever and ever. He gave an order that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, all sea monsters and ocean depths. You read, church, 
lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind that executes his command. Mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars. You read wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl and flying birds. Kings of the earth and peoples, princes and all judges of the earth. Church, young men as well as young women, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers heaven and earth. And let's all read together verse 14. He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. And finally, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, church, thank you for reading with me this morning. You can have a seat. We're going to be in Psalm 148 together this morning. It's a psalm of praise. And it starts with this word, hallelujah, hallelujah. The word hallelujah literally means praise the Lord. I'm going to move over to the screen. I've got the, so hallelujah, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights. And I want you to put up here on the screen, here's the Hebrew word. It's two words together, halal, which literally means praise, and yah, which is short for Yahweh, and Yahweh is the personal name of God, the covenant name of God for his people. It literally means praise the Lord. And so I want us to do something. I'm going to say hallelujah, and then I want you to say praise the Lord, okay? So here we go. Hallelujah. Okay, let's do it one more time. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He is worthy of praise. And Psalm 148 starts off right out of the gate declaring praise for God. Hallelujah. This word hallelujah, uh, it's an imperative. That means it has an understood you. It doesn't mean I praise the Lord. It means, hey, you praise the Lord. It, it's, a, it, it's calling the people to praise. And so hallelujah. And we respond with praise the Lord. He is worthy of our praise. Let's continue reading out of uh, Psalm 148, uh, verse 1. Hallelujah, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights. Verse 2 says, praise him all angels, praise him all his heavenly armies. So we see in, in verse 2, it, it's calling the heavenly bodies to praise the Lord. It, it's, calling, um, it's calling the angels and the heavenly hosts to praise the Lord. This is uh, the supernatural realm, right? We know that in the natural realm, humanity and, and all that we see here on earth, but there is a supernatural realm that exists outside of, of our awareness many times, the angels and, and all of the heavenly hosts. And the psalmist is calling even this supernatural realm to praise the Lord. He, he's calling them to praise. He's, he's calling them uh, to, to declare the worthiness of God. Now, have you ever wondered just how many angels are there, right? Scripture talks about angels a lot of times, and, and we know some specific angels. We, we've heard of Gabriel, and we've heard of Michael. We've heard of Lucifer, who is the fallen angel, Satan. Um, but outside of them, we don't know a lot about angels. We know that they they obey God. We see them uh, in many of the uh, prophetic books and in the book of Revelation. We see them around the throne declaring glory and honor and praise to God. But how many angels are there? 
We don't know exactly. But in the book of Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, let me move over here to the screen. Here's what it says in Hebrews 12, 22. Do you guys have that? No? Okay. So I'm just going to read it to you. Hebrews 12, 22, it says this. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. And it says, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering. So this word myriad, it literally means tens of thousands, thousands upon thousands, an unknown number. It's just, it means a lot, right? It just means there's a lot of angels. You can't even count them all. And so, uh, scripture uh, teaches that, that there are hundreds and thousands, maybe even billions of angels. We don't know the exact number. There's just myriads of angels, and they are declaring and praising God. As I said, we, in, in, in the book of Revelation, in the book of Isaiah, we see the angels gathered around the throne, and they're declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, and, and this psalm is calling praise from angels, from the heavenly hosts. Then it continues in verse 3. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in position forever. He gave them an order that will never pass away. In this section, we, we see the psalmist calling for praise from the heavenlies, uh, from, from the sun and moon, the stars, the highest heavens. We sang about this just a few minutes ago in the hymn that we sang, all creatures of our God and King. It says, praise him, uh, thou burning sun with golden gleam, thou silver moon with softer gleam, oh, praise him, hallelujah. We see that even the heavens, the stars, the moon, the planets are called into this song of creation that declares the glory of the Lord. I asked Arthur specifically if we could sing that song this morning, All Creatures of Our God and King. The original text to that song was written by uh, St. Francis of Assisi. He was an Italian uh, monk, and um, he wrote the words to that to that song about 800 years ago in 1227 or 1225 AD, almost 800 years ago. And, uh, and then about 100 years ago, uh, a guy named William Draper took that and translated it into English and set it to the tune that we know today. But I love that, that it's this hymn of, of praise from the heavenlies. I also love that as we sang it this morning, that we are joining in the song that, that started at creation and has continued from, from generation to generation. 800 years ago, we're singing the same song of praise that God ordained for his people, that God called from his people, that God called from the sun and the moon, the, the shining stars. Psalm 19 Verses 1 through 4, it reminds us of this. It gives us this picture of the heavens that are declaring the glory of the Lord. Because after all, the sun and the moon and the stars, the highest heavens, the waters above the heavens, right? The clouds, they don't, they don't have mouths. They don't literally sing praise to God. But let me move over here to the screen. Psalm 19, 1, it says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Well, how do they declare the glory of God? Verse 2, 
It says, day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. Verse 3, there is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Verse 4, their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. And I think verse 5, we have that on here as well. Nope. All right, just verse 4. This, this passage tells us that the sun and the moon, the, the heavens are declaring the glory of the Lord. Now, it's not in audible words. They're declaring the glory of the Lord by, by the order of the universe. I mean, is it remarkable to you that, that our earth rotates around the sun, right? And all of the planets in our solar system, they, they rotate around the sun in order. And the moon rotates around our planet, and it causes the tides to ebb and to, and to cease. All of this incredible creation, gravity is, is caused by the sun, and, it, and there's a certain gravitational pull here, here on earth that's different than the other planets around us. God has set all of this in motion. Psalm 148, verse 6, it says, he sets them in position forever and ever. He gives an order that will never pass away. God has, has created and he has set the universe in motion and he sustains it by his hand. In Colossians, it tells us that in Christ, everything is held together and has its being. And just by virtue of the order of the universe, we see a picture of the worthiness of its creator. The sun doesn't have to speak. The sun just has to shine its light on earth and we look up and go, wow. Wow, we stand in awe of the creation. This didn't just happen by accident. This, this didn't just, you know, uh, there wasn't just a, a cosmic accident that caused all of this to, to fall into place. There is so much order. There is so much beauty. There is so much power in the heavenly creation of our God and the psalmist calls for praise from the sun and moon, from the highest heavens, the, the waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. Then it continues in verse seven and it says this, praise the Lord from the earth, all sea monsters and ocean depths. Sea monsters, simply the, the creatures in the ocean. Now, I like the ocean, and, and I've done some scuba diving, and I've done some snorkeling in my time, and, and, and uh, I, I, it's beautiful, it's, it's incredible, but it's also a little creepy, right? I mean, when you're underwater and you just see, uh, specifically for me, barracuda under the water, right? I, I've been snorkeling, and I've gone under the water, and there's just like this six-foot-long barracuda, and it's got teeth that like protrude out of its mouth, and it's just kind of staring at you, and it's a little creepy, uh, but barracuda are nothing compared to all of the, the creatures that live in the ocean. I mean, you've got great white sharks that are 10 feet long that, that can, you know. How many of you guys are into Shark Week on, on the Discovery Channel? Here, check this out. This is a blue whale. 
Okay, the blue whale is the largest creature that lives in the ocean. In fact, it's the largest creature that has ever been on earth. It's bigger than any of the dinosaurs. It's bigger than, than any land animal. It is almost 100 feet long. Blue whales are almost 100 feet long. The, the next largest animal is the humpback whale, and, and that thing's about 45 or 50 feet long. Great white sharks, they, they pale in comparison. They're about 10 feet long. So one blue whale is the equivalent of 40 elephants. And elephants, they're pretty big, but, but the, the weight of one blue whale is equivalent to 40 elephants or 2,667 people, right? And God created blue whales. God, God sustains blue whales. I don't know how they can possibly eat enough food to sustain their body, right, which is, which is hundreds of tons. I, I think they're about 200 tons, and somehow God has designed them and created them and they're able to sustain their body off of eating krill, which are like little microscopic organisms in the water. What an incredible thought. What an incredible creation. And this psalm calls for, for praise from the sea monsters, things like the blue whale. Then it continues, you ocean depths, praise the Lord. And again, um, this is an incredible thought. The ocean is largely unexplored, right? We've explored most of the planet, but the ocean is largely unexplored. There's places in the ocean where humans have never, ever, ever been. And the, the deepest parts of the ocean are, are deeper than the highest places on earth. I, I want to show you a picture here again. This is uh, the, the Marianas Trench. Um, it, it's a deep section in the Pacific Ocean, and specifically there's one deep hole called Challenger Deep. You can see it there um, on your right as you're looking at the screen. And Challenger Deep is uh, over 36,000 feet deep. That's over seven miles deep, right? For comparison, um, Mount Everest is about 29,000 feet, so Mount Everest could fit inside this giant hole in the ocean. Passenger jets, they fly at about 35,000 feet, so, so they are even, they fly lower than the, the deepest hole in the ocean. The Burj Khalifa, which is the world's tallest structure, that's about 2,700 feet. You could fit, you know, um, I, don't, I didn't do the math, a lot of them inside this giant hole. <laughs> uh, and the psalmist calls for praise from the sea creatures and from the depths of the ocean. Look, down, down in those deep places in the ocean, there's fish that, have, that glow. They're, I mean, it's, it's crazy down there, right? And God has created it all. And this psalmist calls for praise from the sea creatures and from the ocean depths. Psalm 148 verse 8 says, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind that executes his command. God is in command even of the storms, the hail, the stormy wind, the snow, the clouds. Not only is God in control of the heavens, not only is God in control of the ocean depths, but God is in control of storms and weather. Like, God is bigger than hurricanes. God is bigger than, than, um, than tsunamis. God is bigger than tornadoes. You remember the story in the Gospels. Jesus is on the boat with his disciples, and the storm comes up, and they think they're about to get swallowed up, and they're about to drown, and they say, Jesus, do something. And he says, peace, be still. And the storm ceases, and they look at each other, and they say, 
what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey his command? This psalmist in Psalm 148 calls for lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind that execute his command to praise the Lord. Verse 9, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and cattle, creatures that crawl, and flying birds. Again, he's calling for creation to praise the Lord. Do you, do you see the picture that, that's going on here? It goes back to the book of Genesis when it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And, and we really see the order of creation here in Psalm 148. It starts with the highest heavens, and then it starts with the ocean depths, and then it starts with, with the mountains and the hills and the fruit trees and cedars, and then it moves to the created animals and flying birds. So how do fruit trees praise the Lord? Again, you know, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord without speech. And we see that, that even trees can praise God when they do the thing that he created them to do when they bear fruit, right? When, when we see beautiful flowers, they are obeying the command that God gave them at creation to multiply, to bear fruit. And we see the beauty of that. We see the order of God's creation. Fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl and flying birds. So, Animals, they, they execute God's command. Migration is an incredible thing that happens in, in the animal world, right? There are animals that migrate to different places uh, and they migrate for food and they migrate to find mates so that they can have babies and, and reproduce. Birds migrate from the very top of the globe to the very bottom of the globe following the order and the path that God gave them. Nobody has to teach them. It's innate within them. It's part of the creation. And the psalmist is calling for all of creation from the heavens, from the, from the supernatural realm, from the depths of the ocean to, to the storms, lightning and hail, stormy winds, mountains, hills, fruit trees, cedars, animals, cattle, flying creatures, and birds to declare the glory of the Lord. All of creation, when it operates as God intended it to, it declares his glory. It reflects his creativity. It reflects his beauty. It reflects his workmanship. Then it finally gets to verse 11, and it, and it begins to talk about humanity. Kings of the earth, all peoples, princes, and all judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, old and young together. It's calling for all of humanity to praise the name of the Lord. All of creation operates as God intended. It operates according to his design. And only humanity has rebelled against God. Only humanity has said, yeah, God, you're the creator and you designed life to operate in a certain way, but, but we want to do it our own way. We want to follow our heart. Right, we want to uh, we want to to see what's out there. We want to explore. We want to do our own thing. And humanity rebelled against God at the beginning of creation, and as a result, 
We, we live in a state of rebellion. We're, we're born into it as human beings. But in this psalm, the psalmist even calls for worship from humanity. And I love this passage. He says, the kings of the earth, princes and judges of the earth. The, right, the, the kind of highest order in humanity, the, the rulers, the, the people of high esteem, uh, people of power, people of prominence. But, but then he goes in verse 12 and he says, young men and young women, old and young together, from, from the highest, most prominent, most powerful to, to the youngest, to those who, who don't have power, to those who are old and young, young men, young women, to those who are the most dependent, who, to those who are the most vulnerable. God is calling forth praise from all of humanity. I, I love this because God doesn't just want the powerful. God doesn't just want the, the needy. God wants all of us together. God wants all of us together to declare his glory to praise his name, all of humanity, kings, old and young together. Let us praise the name of the Lord. In verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers heaven and earth. This passage tells us that, that only God should be worshiped. But there are so many things in this world that, that we choose to put our hope in. And ultimately, the things that we put our hope in are the things that we worship. If we put our hope in, in wealth, then, then the truth is we're worshiping wealth. If we put our hope in family, then the truth is we're, we're worshiping our family. If we, if we put our hope in popularity or prominence or any of these things, those things become objects of worship. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 tells us that humanity exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Throughout history, hu humans have looked for objects of worship. For many throughout history, it was the heavens. It was the sun and the moon and the stars. It was, it was the, the wind and the rains and, and, it, and it was the created things, animals and, and trees, produce, crops. These were the things that humans worshiped that they put their hope in. Today, we think we're a lot more sophisticated, but the truth is we're no different. We, we put our hope in, we put our hope in uh, power and prestige and wealth and prominence and popularity. We put our, our, our hope in all of these things. We, we put our hope in the place that we were born. We put our hope in the group of people that we associate with. And this psalm is reminding us that all of it is subject to God, that God created it all, that God sustains it all, and that God is calling for praise from all of it. And finally, it ends with verse 14, and it says, he has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to all his faithful ones. And really that, that could be better translated uh, for all of his faithful ones because the praise that results does not 
come to us, but it's drawn out of us. Because of, because of all that we see in Psalm 148, the, the supernatural and the heavens um, and, and the depths of the earth and the depths of the sea and all of the created things, they, they call praise out of us. He has raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to or from all his faithful ones, to the Israelites, the people close to him. Hallelujah. This passage points to the nation of Israel, the, the chosen people of God. God spoke to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, I am going to make of you a great nation. Your descendants will be as, number, as numerous as the stars in the sky. God chose a people, and throughout history, God uh, called these people to follow him, and, and he gave them his word, he gave them his law. But we also see in the New Testament that there is, there is a, a new Israel, those who have called on Jesus Christ for salvation, we have been adopted into the family of God. We are the spiritual descendants of God. We are the spiritual descendants of Abraham. We are joint Heirs with Jesus, Scripture says. And this Psalm 148, verse 14, is, is pointing to something. Last week we looked at Psalm 22 and we saw the, the prophetic words of Psalm 22 that, that pointed to Jesus Christ on the cross, to the Messiah who would suffer and die. And again, we, we see something prophetic here in Psalm 148, verse 14. It says, he has raised up a horn for his people. Now, this is kind of a strange phrase. To raise up a horn, it, it's a symbol of victory. It's a symbol of power. There, there's a few ways to look at it. There was a horn that would be taken to battle. Uh, some of you may remember the story of Gideon in the book of Judges. And Gideon took 300 men, and it says they all took a ram's horn, and they blew the horn before they went into battle and, and God conquered the armies uh, that were encamped against them. We see this, this horn of battle. It's a horn of victory. It's also a, a picture of power because a, a ram's horn is its, is its weapon and its defense. Have you ever seen those videos of like mountain sheep and they just headbutt each other and, and the noise just echoes for miles? And, and so there's this picture of power Right, the, the horns of a bull or the horns of a ram, the, the tusks of an elephant, the, the horns of a rhinoceros. It's this symbol of power and, and defense. And so we see this, this picture here as well. He's raised up a horn for his people. It's the symbol of, of power, of defense, of, of victory. But in the New Testament, we, we see really the, what, what this idea of the horn in the Old Testament. It's mentioned many times throughout the Old Testament. We see in Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 69, we see what the horn is really pointing to. Luke chapter 1, verse 68, it says, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. We know that redemption comes through Jesus Christ. Verse 69, it says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. This passage in Luke chapter one is uh, the words of John the Baptist's father. 
It's a, it's a song of prophecy, and he's declaring that one has been born, has been raised up from the house of David, who would be a horn of salvation. He would be one that would bring victory for his people, victory over sin and death. He would bring power to his people, right? The power of the Holy Spirit that is alive and at work within us. A horn of salvation and in the person of Jesus Christ, this horn of salvation was raised up. And so Psalm 148, it starts with creation. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, all of creation, the, the supernatural realm, angels and heavenly hosts, right? The, the heavens, the sun and the moon, the stars, the highest heavens, praise the Lord, the depths of the ocean, the, the greatest, largest creatures that have ever been made, the deepest points in the ocean, they should all praise the Lord. The mountains and the hills, the trees, the cedars, the crawling beasts, the flying birds, they should praise the Lord, all of creation. Humanity should praise the Lord, kings and princes and rulers and judges, and young men and old men, old and young together should praise the Lord because he alone is exalted. His majesty covers the earth. And then verse 14, he has raised up a horn for his people. And as we see in Luke, that horn of salvation is pointing to Jesus Christ. Then we see here at the end of Psalm 148 that there is a new creation that's taking place. Psalm 148 calls for all of creation to praise the Lord, all creatures of our God and King. And now here at the end of Psalm 148, we see that there is a new creation taking place through the horn that was raised up. Jesus Christ, the horn of our salvation 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And just as all of creation is call, called to praise the Lord here in Psalm 148, we, the people of God, the new creation of God, are called to praise the name of the Lord. This morning, um, really our response our response to Psalm 148 is that we would praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We are called to praise our great God who is worthy, who is the creator and the sustainer of life. I mean, just take a minute this week and reflect on the wonder of creation. Just take a minute and reflect this week on, on the wonder of the universe. God set it into motion. He is worthy of our worship. But not only is he the, the great creator, he is also the one who redeemed his creation even when we turned our back on him. He's the one who raised up a horn of salvation to usher in a new creation. And one day he will usher in a new heaven and a new earth and those who have called on the name of Jesus will be there. Every nation and tribe and tongue gathered around the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we will worship. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so, are you living a life of worship? Are you in awe 
of who God is. For those of us who have called on Jesus for salvation, we must live lives of worship. The other response is for those who have never come to a place of faith. Maybe you, maybe you would acknowledge that there is a God. You would say, yeah, sure, I, I, I believe there, there must be a God. But you've never come to a point of surrender. You've never come to a point where you turn from trying to do life on your own terms and turned to put your faith in God. Scripture says that our sin, that is our rebellion, that is our pride, that is our selfishness, that is our, our desire to do life on our own terms. Scripture says that that separates us from God. But God made a way through Jesus Christ to deal with that sin. Jesus Christ is the horn of our salvation. He conquered sin in our lives. And if we will turn from our sin, turn from trying to do life on our own terms and turn to him and put our faith in him as Savior, then we will be adopted as children of God. We will become a part of this new creation of God. So this morning, if you've never come to a point of faith in Jesus Christ, maybe that could be your response today to this God who is the creator and sustainer of life. Maybe your hallelujah this morning could be, God, I surrender. I put my faith in you. I'm going to ask our room host to stand up and, and go to the front of the room. We've got hosts in every room. And and if you, if you want to pray with somebody, if you want to respond, if you have questions, they would love to pray with you and talk with you this morning. If, if you've come to a point where you desire to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, we would love to walk with you through exactly what that means. If, if you would fill out the connection card, we want to follow up with you and, and we want to help you take that next step. This morning, before you leave, I, I would encourage you to go talk to the room hosts. So let me pray as we wrap up our time together. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much that you have raised up a horn of salvation for your people through the person of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his burial and his resurrection, his victory over death and sin. And Lord, as we look at all of creation, we say hallelujah, praise the Lord. God, you call for praise from the supernatural realm. You call for praise from the heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars. You call for praise from the depths of the ocean. You call for praise from the mountains and the hills and the trees, from the animals and the birds, from humanity, from the kings and rulers of the earth to the lowly, the least. God, you alone are worthy of our worship. You alone have raised up salvation for us. So Lord, help us to respond by living our life as a life of worship. God, help us to respond by putting our faith in you, our trust in you, turning to you as our source of life and salvation. God, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your word. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Dustin Janney. 
Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. If something spoke to you from the message or if you have a question about it, we'd love for you to share that with us. Just comment below or send us a message. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. We believe there is no more important decision you could make. We'd love to connect with you and help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We hope to see you soon.